This is our last week in Romans. I know some of you are rejoicing. It's been so long. Dax. But it's bittersweet for me. I've loved this book. It's impacted me greatly. It's been very important in my thinking and, oh, the wonder of the gospel. We rejoice in Paul's encouragement and fantastic. And we're looking today at the last chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And I'd like to just start with a story. It's a true story of William Post the Third. His uh, people that knew him called him Bud. It's not our Bud. But he had a rough life. His mother died when he was eight. His father decided he couldn't or wouldn't take care of him and put him in an orphanage. He never really fit in socially. He did odd jobs and tried to, to do that. He was a pipeline painter and he drove the truck for the carnival. Um, never owned a home. Never owned a car. Even went to jail for a season because he was writing bad checks. And then he just had $3 left in his bank account and said, well, you know, I might as well buy a lottery ticket. And so then in 1988, Bud won the Pennsylvania lottery, $16 million. Wow. This is not a call to buy a lottery ticket. It's generally a bad idea. However, the point is this, chapter after chapter, week after week, we've gone through this incredible letter that says to you and to me, we've done more than win the lottery. It's really true. We have so much. We went through how the beginning of Romans just lays out for us how we really have nothing. We really are are dead and stinky. And you know what? Our very best day, we lay our all the striving and great things we've done before God and their filthy rags, they don't count for anything. And so we're stuck there. But then in Romans 3, we see, no, wait, Jesus. No righteousness anywhere. Remember that? None anywhere. And then we get righteousness because of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul has worked through the, even the song. We just sang it. You are mighty. You are holy, great and mighty. And the next thing, I'm so unworthy and yet you love me. And Romans just lays out why, right? Because of Jesus. Because God in the fullness of time sent his son. And God in the fullness of time sent his son who was God fully. And he lived perfectly. And he died for our sin. So that we who confess him, we believe in him. We see that Jesus actually gives us his righteousness. The, the good things that he's done are accounted to us. We've won the lottery so that forever, just by believing that it's true, believing that God really did send his son, putting our trust, our hope, all that we have in Jesus and his righteousness, not in my striving, but in Jesus's. And Romans has walked through that. Chapter 5, Christ's righteousness for us. Chapter 6, how, oh, he, he, he makes us holy. He sets us apart. How in chapter 7, we still sin and we hate it, but we still do. Chapter 8, we have the Holy Spirit. Chapter 9 to 11, it's all God's plan. This has been, he's in charge. We, we cannot stop it. No one will stop this amazing plan of God. And we're free. 
We're free to be transparent and not hypocrites. We're free to humbly and gratefully live, loving each other here in this short time before Jesus returns. We are not ashamed of this gospel, are we? That's where we've been. That's what Romans has taken us. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And Paul, he had the opportunity to close this letter down in the middle of chapter 15. He was done with these deep topics, this doctrine, if you will, of this amazing wonder why we can stand, you and I, and say God's favor is on us forever because of Jesus, our faith in him, his faithfulness. And he was done, and and yet he hasn't ended, and he has a whole chapter here that's almost added on. 34 greetings. Uh Uh-oh, what are we going to get out of that? Well, you're going to need your Bible, because otherwise you'll get lost. So take your Bible with you. Make sure you're at Romans uh, 16. And if you're not, look around in the pew around you, in the chairs around you. There's, There's a Bible there. You can have it and look. But do look with me at this last chapter. Because we're here together. We're on a journey together, we are. We have a warning to hear together, and we have a gospel that's not alone. It's not me and $16 million. No, we're part of something bigger and better together. We need to look at this, and and it's going to be a big paragraph at the beginning, so walk through with me. Chapter 16, verse 1. First, a journey together. Look at what Paul does, verse 1. I commend you to our sister, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrei, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, greet Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. You guys should be happy with me. That's 24 names. Most of them you've never pronounced on your own. But think with me about them. So just hear them again. Phoebe, who's a deaconess, right? Probably had a special, the best reading of that is probably had a role in the church. She was a patron, meaning she was very wealthy. In fact, she even supported Paul, was a, a patron to him. There's Prisca, that's the short form of Priscilla and Aquila. We know them well from other places. They risked their necks for Paul. 
He gives thanksgiving to them. There's Epinitus, the first convert in Asia. There's Mary who worked hard. There's Andronicus and Junia, kinsmen, fellow prisoner in Christ. Really the best way to see that in there in, in verse 7 is that they're well known among the apostles. Junia was a missionary. She was a sent one. She's not one of the twelve. There's Ampliatus, beloved in the Lord. There's Urbanus, fellow worker in Christ. There's Stachus, beloved. There's Apellas, approved in Christ. And then there's a whole list of people. He just rattles them off. And a bit, you run your mind over that and you say, no, three things to see. Look with me. First, see how varied the community is. This is a glimpse into the life of the Roman church. We don't know them. That's, this is thousands of years ago. This is one of the first early churches. What was the mix? What were they like? See how varied it is. This is important to us. First, that there's not really any male or, male or female. They're, they're all greeted. In fact, most of the people, the majority of the people greeted are women. Phoebe is this wealthy patron. Junie is a missionary probably there going around. See that they're slaves and free people. It's very interesting as you look at the names. What historians do is they go and look at the groups of names and what they did in Rome and in those times, they would actually take names, certain classes of people would take certain names. So you can trace and see who's who he's talking to, what social classes they were in. And over half of the people here are slaves or freedmen based on their names. For example, Urbanus or Ampliatus. Those are both sort of slave or freedmen names. You say, so what? Well, here it is. Paul's excited to greet everybody. It's a varied community. They're all mixed together. It's not like this is a, a, a church that's all the same and all the same social class. No, everybody's all mumbled together and, and Paul's sitting there greeting them all. It's a varied community. I know that you may like other people in the body because they all look the same or drive the same car, but but that's not how the gospel works. God saves people from all different roles and we're thrown together in this community, just like that Roman community. Variety of people. It's a greeting community. I don't know if you've ever noted this, reading this. Paul doesn't say greetings to Phoebe. He doesn't say greetings to Patrobas, Hermas, Hermes, any of these people. He says, greet them. Do you get the feeling of that? Do you get how that's a little different? Do you get how what it is is actually Paul says to the group, greet somebody. Okay, so I'm going to pick somebody out. So somebody's in the back row over there. Say George is in the back row, and I said, you greet George. And then everybody turns and says, hi, George. And then George gets a big smile on his face. Everybody said hi to him. Do you see what he's doing? He's actually not saying, oh, greetings from the great Paul to you. No, he's saying, hey, you body, greet each other. Be close to each other. Turn to one another and say, hey, how fantastic. You're greeting them. You're, You're welcoming them in this body. That's pretty cool. He brings it to the attention. What he's bringing to attention is is how amazing the whole body is. As after time after time, time after time, time after time, greet this person. Hello, greet this person. Hello, 26 times. It's interesting that he asked them to greet one another with a holy kiss. This is a cultural thing, right? But it's also a mark of acceptance. 
I think the closest thing we have is the, the French custom of doing the air kisses on each other's cheek, kind of, in welcome. So it's not something culturally that we necessarily do in America. But think through this with me. Think about the slave who was there in the Roman church and the wealthy patron who's very wealthy and owns slaves. And they're saying, come, kiss your slave in Christ. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're saying to one another, hey, in Christ, we're the same. So there's this greeting that happens, this coming together that happens, this unconscious thing almost, or here it's conscious of saying, hey, in Christ, that's our grounding, that's where we are. It fights against this unconscious thing we do to group together by our own little groups that are separate from each other, doesn't it? We fight this. I I was even sad, and this is silly sadness, but here it is. So I'm in my small group on Friday. We go to a small group. You should go to one too. They're great. But I was in my small group on Friday, and we studied our lesson, and we finished our lesson, and we prayed for each other, and then we stopped, and we finished, we were having this little fellowship. What do you think happened? Guys in that room, girls in this room, they're talking guns, they're talking, well, I was going to go find out, so I went and sat on the couch. They were talking cars. (laughs) Go figure, that's our small group. Guys are talking guns, gals are talking cars. But, 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 but it was guys and gals, and you say, wait a second, wait a second. And, and I know it's totally fine to do, but it's just almost this unconscious thing where we start to get into groups that are like each other. And that's, that's a push against here, Paul's doing that. He's pushing against that. He's saying, no, no, look, I'm greeting everyone, and, and I'm putting you together. I'm even asking you to call out the other person and to go and do a holy kiss with them and greet them in Christ, because in Christ we have a community that's fantastic and different. And finally, so it's this varied community and a greeting community, but finally here observing it's a needed community. Right? Paul wasn't there. He needed the body to greet each other. That's what he was doing. But even more than that, do you see his main things he's calling people? It's not just Phoebe, who's a patron of me, he says, but Priscilla and Aquila are fellow workers. Do you see that? You drop down to Mary, who worked hard for you, to Urbanus, who's a fellow worker, to Tryphena and Tryphosa, who are workers, to Persis, who worked hard in the Lord. You get the idea? Loving Jesus leads to working hard. That's the one thing. It's not lazy kickback time to say, I love Christ. What am I going to do? I'm going to so excitedly serve. But it's this, he realizes he's not a lone ranger. It's not him and the Lord and and he's going to go in a corner. He's saying, no, there's other people you need to see. Oh, it's so fantastic how, how the Holy Spirit is prompting people to be actively engaged in the work of ministry in so many ways. And so greet each other. Greet this person and, and acknowledge their hard work in Jesus. And, and it, greet this person and just oh, lift them up. They're my fellow worker in Christ. And so you have this turn and say, oh, greetings to you, Rufus, beloved of the Lord. It's encouragement. Oh, how we need each other. You are not on a planet with you and God. There's the body. And thought through or tried to think through, what stops us? What stops us from being this way? What stops us from having this bubbling joy with each other that we just love to be together, that we want to just encourage each other? We don't want to tear each other down. I want to say, oh, I'm so excited about what God's doing in your heart and life. 
And I think partly sometimes it's disappointment with others. I think they should be better than they are. Is that the gospel? No, the gospel is we're all terrible. And it's only Christ. So I know that's not right, yet I can slip there. Sometimes I think, oh, it's I'm uncertain of myself. Like, I just don't want to, maybe I'm not worthy of working in the church. What? Is that the gospel? No. The gospel is we're all unworthy. <laughs> it's all about Christ and lifting him up. So you got to jump right in. Maybe I'm fear of other people judging me, so that's fear of man I fight against. Maybe my world is so busy that I don't really get involved. But the reality is this, Paul says, even in this little paragraph where he's just listing out names, he's showing us it's about community and it's a journey together. Just imagine one more time a little boy going up to Rufus and saying, Oh, greetings, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Let's encourage each other that way. Let's look at another closing paragraph. Verse 17. It's not just a journey that we're on together. He gives us a warning together. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who's host to me in the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Okay, at the end here, he's Paul is throwing in all the greetings of the people who are with him, including the scribe, right? That's who Tertius is, the one who scribed the letter as Paul spoke. And they just send greetings. But very unusual here. You need to see it as we close. He's done. The letter's over. He's in his final greetings. He never does this in other places. This is very rare. He just tosses in a warning. As we're all finally ready for him to end. You know how it is when the preacher's gone a long time. Sorry. It's like, oh, he's finally ending. And he gets to his list. You hear your name, your ear kind of perks up a little. Hey, he mentioned me. That's kind of cool. And he's almost done. Lunch is here. And then he throws in this warning for us together to hear. Very unusual. But he wants them to hear it together. Brothers, sisters, here's my appeal, he says. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. He doesn't tell us exactly who he's thinking of here. People have argued whether it's Gnostics who want you to just go into license or whether it's Judaizers who want you to follow legal obligations or what those things might be. He doesn't tell us, but he says this enough for us. That you hear these things, we hear them together. One, watch out for obstacles contrary to the gospel. What are the obstacles around you that people put up that are contrary to the doctrine you've been taught? When he says doctrine you've been taught, he means the content of Romans. We've had the content of Romans. What's the content been? The gospel. 
about Jesus, the central truth about Jesus Christ and his death on a cross for you, and that you believe in him, and by believing in his name, you get the righteousness of God by which you stand before God forever. You have no other righteousness at all. That's what he's talking about. And this is clear. There will be disruptions that come, and the disruptions will be disruptions in gospel truth. People will want to push you off the gospel. Push you off this truth that by faith in Christ and what he has done, this is your only hope, and it is the hope by which we live. Us. So what obstacles come up? What comes up in our day? The big one that comes up for all of us that tugs in our heart is to add our works in to Jesus. Jesus plus our works. It's fine to love Jesus, but you also really need to wear long sleeve shirts. And you also have to avoid these foods, or you need to not do this, or you need to avoid this. If you don't do that, then you're not saved. No, do you trust in Jesus? Similarly, things that get pulled in are things along this line. Hey, it doesn't matter what you do. Eat joy and be merry. Go ahead and get drunk. Jesus loves you. He'll love you anyway. But there's this thing in your heart that says, no, 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 my Savior died for me. Not so I can go party out and get drunk, go into immorality that's against what Jesus says. No, that's not right. That's against the gospel, the good news that my only hope is Christ, and so I'm going to follow him. So we watch out for obstacles that people want to bring in. What kind of people? Well, we watch out for people who are serving their own appetites. That's what he says, right? Such persons, verse 18, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. So this is about warning about teachers that come in, people that come in. It doesn't have to be formal teachers. It's to come in and they're going to deceive you by persuasive words. But what they're really doing is feeding their own appetites. This is not talking about people chowing down. Say, well, Dax, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for anyone who says, come to a feast. No, that's not really what he means. What he means is people who are feeding their own flesh. People who themselves are saying, no, 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 what I want is to gather power, control, manipulation over you. That's what they're after. And by fine words, they pull away from what? The gospel. They love attention. They want to be seen as big, as important. Oh, listen with your ears for humility. Right? That's what we're to do that lifts up Christ and not yourself. And watch out for smooth talk and flattery. You don't have a problem with that with me. <laughs> Wish I had smoother talk. But, but that's what we're listening for, is divisive, self-centered, persuasive, with a goal to divide, with a goal to lift up themselves, with a goal to flattery towards a supporting faction. When, you know what, the honest, blunt truth is always the best. How does it impact the gospel? So as we trust in Jesus, we trust in nothing else. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our works. We don't let anyone move us off of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So that's watch out for the obstacles contrary to the gospel. Watch out for people who are serving their own appetites. And watch out. You don't crush Satan. God does. See what he says in 20? He lines it right up and puts it together. And he says in verse 20, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
Because it might seem like this is not enough. Just hold on to the gospel. See, that's what you do with your life. Hold on to the gospel, and then fruit will flow from that, and you're free. Live your life knowing that Jesus Christ has set you free, and there's a part of me that says, no, 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 that's not quite enough. I think there's more I need to do. I think I need to go beat up on Satan. I don't know. I know we don't say that literally, but we think we got to do something and can conquer something. And you know what? What does God say? God says through Paul, the God of peace, i.e. you're after peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. Who's going to do the crushing? God's going to take care of Satan for you. God's all these things that we see in society that are evil and wrong. God knows, and he's going to crush Satan. Interesting, doesn't, don't you think? God's going to crush Satan under his feet. No, it didn't say that. It's very particular. God's going to crush Satan under your feet. No way. Think about that for a minute. The God the God of the universe is vast and mighty and awesome and powerful, and he can do all things. He is the God of peace. But then there's also Satan. Satan is powerful. The Bible describes him like a roaring lion running around, seeing he, who he can just devour. We don't beat up on Satan, but we stand, right? That's what Ephesians 6 says. We get the armor of Jesus Christ, and we stand. We stand with the, with the breastplate of faith with the armor that Jesus Christ provides, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. These are all defensive things. It means we're standing there, you and I. We say, yes, I'm standing. Where do I stand? On the righteousness of Christ given to me. How do I stand there? Well, I know he saved me. I know he's given me his righteousness. I know I stand here knowing that it's my faith in him that does it all. And I don't attack. I'm standing on taken ground. I was the devil's. I'm his no longer. And here we even have, have Paul saying, God will crush Satan under your feet. As you stand there, he's at work. We're focused in on grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's not a throwaway. Oh yeah, yeah grace of God be with you. No, it's not a throwaway. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the one who came and died for you, the one who's given you everything, and we soak again saying, you know what, yes, 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 he did it. So you and I stand here together knowing that our only hope is in Jesus and no other hope, watching out for this thought that I crush Satan when it's not true, God will. It's another end to the letter. You could end the letter right there. That grace being the content of the letter. But he doesn't. He does one more piece. So it's not just, oh, our, together we're on this journey. It's not just together. Watch out. Watch out that you don't get moved from the gospel. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Encourage one another to stay there. But it's actually a gospel together. He finishes with a song. Look at verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, 
according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's his last word. If you're reading along with me and you're in the ESV, you may notice something really interesting. Go from verse 23 and read verse 24. Oh, wait. There's no verse 24. Did they take something out of the Bible? Did they chop something out? No, many versions don't have that verse 24. Some versions do. The verse 24 says this, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I.e., they think the letter ends there again. We don't think so. We think that it keeps on going, and it keeps going on. So your, your numbering goes from 23 to 25. The letter's already ended twice. Do you see that? The letter's already ended in, in the middle of 15 where he says the grace of Lord Jesus be with you. And it's ended again just here recently which says the grace of Lord Jesus be with you. And you can put an amen there and he could be done. But he just has, he just has to say one more. Let me just give you a little doxology. Let me just say to you a wonder of the glory of God one more time. I want you to be strong, Paul says. I want you to be strong for life right now. And here you're strengthening. It's in line with this, he says. It's in line with this. It's in line with his good news and the preaching of Jesus Christ. This is the only way to strength. Isn't it remarkable? Now, to him who is able to strengthen you. I, I, we don't use this language, and we ought to. We ought to be people who say, hey, may the Lord himself strengthen you through the gospel instead of, you, be stronger. Do, do you hear the difference? You, be stronger, get better, do more, to lift some more weights because you need to get stronger. That, that's, not, that's just not what it says. In his great, great doxology at the end, he says, oh, oh, look, look here. Don't look at your weight set. Don't look at your TV. Look here, look at the great God of wonders who alone is able to strengthen you. How's he going to strengthen you? Through the gospel. Okay, it never gets old. Please don't think, oh, I, I, you know, I, I, got, I got it, I got it. I believe in Jesus. That's my fire insurance. That's what I have. I, I know that I had that conversion experience, but now I'm on to deeper things, lifting weights, doing stuff. No, you come back to the gospel. That's why our church always comes back to the gospel. Him who is able to strengthen you according in line with the gospel, the good news, what Jesus has done. It's through your weakness, right? It's your whole life is about Jesus Christ's strength. Jesus Christ giving righteousness to you. Jesus making you blameless and holy and alive. You must, you must have a humble heart here and say, I have nothing. It's the strength of Christ that sustains me. So it's not just in line with Paul's good news and the preaching of Jesus as he says there, right? Him who is able to strengthen you according to or in line with my gospel. That's Paul's good news of Christ and the preaching of Christ, what Jesus said himself. According to also in line with the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. Yeah, that's a lot of words to say this. Gentiles get in. 
It's a lot of words to say this, that what's been revealed, it wasn't understood. Gentiles, those who weren't Jews, ones who weren't circumcised, ones who weren't following the law, one who were just pagan people, that's you and me. I grew up a pagan person, and here I was. I get to be in the kingdom of God. This is a great mystery through all time, and it's been revealed now. Wow! It's been revealed now. Disclosed by Jesus to Paul on the road to Damascus. Disclosed really through the prophetic writings. That's the Old Testament proclaiming it. That's God going out to the highways and the byways and saying, Hey, get the sick, get the lame, get the poor, get those who have nothing and bring them into my feast. Oh, we get that. According to the command of the eternal God, it says, God's plan has always been this. And the result that has happened, the push that has happened, you see, to bring about the obedience of faith. That you, through believing, are accounted obedient. That's what obedience is. That you trust your Savior. That you trust your God. That you actually say, yes, I will forsake all of my good deeds. All of the things that I consider good. All of the things that relatively ranked me higher than other people. All of the things that I treasured, like my money and my stuff. All of the things that I was proud about, like how great a dad I was and all these other things. And I will forsake them as meritorious, as things that are good for me. And I will say, only Christ. The obedience of faith to him who is able to strengthen you in line with this gospel, he writes, Paul does, to this only wise God. This is the last line. To this only wise God. You see, you can't argue with this. You can think you might argue this, but he's the only wise God. He's the only one who really has wisdom. He's the only one who's eternally wise. And his ways that we've seen are so deep and so amazing that my heart sometimes goes against it. That often what I do is I say, no, 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 God, I want back in the game. But no, the only wise God gave his son. This is it. This is all we have, you and I. This is the only way. Be glory forevermore. Through Christ Jesus. He ends with a statement of glory to God. But I hope you see, he doesn't say, be glory to God through you, does he? Again, that just fights my flesh. That this gospel is about us together. It's not even about you at the end. It's not even about me at the end. It's about Jesus. And in his wisdom, he saved us together. That we might be part of his body. And so that glory might come to God, not through me, but through Jesus. Got to be careful about saying, I'm just going to glorify God. Yeah, God's going to be glorified no matter what happens to you, isn't he? You're going to go out and you're going to rob a bank. Is God going to be glorified? Yeah. How? You're going to get judged. God's going to get glory out of that. Justice will come. If not now, then in eternity. You can say, well, I'm going to worship Jesus and sing songs, raise my hands and wave them. Is that going to glorify God? Well, it, it does glorify God. We glorify God when we sing. But giving glory to God, we're what we do when we raise our hands, what are we doing? We're acknowledging that God is glorious. He's got all the glory. And in his son Jesus, he's displaying that glory. 
Now, through Jesus, we get to display it too as part of the church. But we're always oriented that way. We're not oriented towards, I'm going to try and list out the things that will glorify God more, glorify God less. Baloney. We're in, we're part of this body that is in Christ. And Christ is the one that is giving God glory as a self-reflective act because he's God. He's up there. It's higher than us. The amazing thing is, is that we're on display of God's work as the church. But individually, who do you think you are? To this only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Even this very last line urges us to get our eyes off of our own strengthening and our own story and onto God's strengthening and God's story through Jesus Christ. Oh, Romans is wild. I hope, I hope that you with me have been struck by this radical, radical, wondrous gospel. I hope you will never be ashamed of it. I hope that today you stop being alone in your Christianity and you gladly, freely embrace walking this road together. It's a gospel together. Together because we're all in the same boat, right? Are we all in the same boat? If we're saved, we're only saved through Jesus Christ. That's it. You and me together, no matter what else, wherever else we come from, no matter what our socioeconomic status is, no matter if we've been homeless for 10 years or we've lived in a mansion for 20, no matter if we own lots of cars or we've never owned a car, no matter if we are, are really thoughtful and deep scholastically or whether we can't read. We're all in the same thing. Do you believe in Jesus? And that puts us together. Together because we're working towards the same goal, Jesus Christ being exalted, not each of us. You see how radical that is? Yeah, I'm the one that gets to stand up here. But, oh, I'm not the one who's in charge. Jesus Christ is who we're trying to lift up. You come and and, and you tell me how we can worship Jesus Christ better. I love it. Together, because at the end of the day, our strengthening isn't from us. And glory is not to us or in us at all. We're free to laugh and to live and to love each other, knowing that it's about Jesus. I want to end with this because Bud Post, this man who got $16 million, he wasn't part of a new community. He wasn't changed. He didn't get a new heart. He didn't get the gospel. He's, he, he got a bunch of money. And it doesn't always happen this way, but this man's a good example because it was just money. So after his sixth wife divorced him, and he had to sell his mansion and his car, and he got in trouble and with the law and t- so... Ten years after he got $16 million, he was back on welfare. He lived on disability payments till he died. He died at age 66 of respiratory failure. He died alone. The gospel is not fire insurance. The gospel is not $16 million. The gospel is not lottery winnings. It's news of forever good to us, you and I. To us who believe in Jesus Christ, so we help each other. Oh, I call you this morning. Help each other. Remember that. Remember the gospel together. When we fall down and forget it and want our circumstances to overwhelm, when we long for the lottery, oh, remind each other we've got the lottery in spades. We have Jesus Christ forever. Let's pray.